And good morning, everyone. Welcome into a brand new edition of Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. So happy you are with us. I'm Steve Cashel, joined by my usual co-host, Dr. Brian Cole. He is the head team physician for the Chicago Bulls, one of the team physicians for the Chicago White Sox, also sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Our website is Sports medicineweekly.com and dr cole how are you on this saturday morning steve i'm doing great it's uh clearly feels better as the weather's starting to turn you start to feel a little more normal if you will so doing very well hopefully you your family are doing great everybody's great on my side doc i appreciate it and let's get right into uh our first topic as you said the weather is turning and great weekend this weekend, uh, despite maybe some rain, but we understand that some travel team, travel baseball teams, maybe even soccer teams, other sports are starting to get into things. And we're going to bring on our first guest, one of your partners at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, Dr. Nick Verma. He is the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox and like you, sports medicine specialist at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. So Dr. Verma, thanks for joining us. Uh, still waiting for the restart of Major League Baseball and Little League Baseball and College Baseball all the way around. But uh, Dr. Verma, uh, as we bring you on this morning, uh, tell us about some things as these travel teams and something hitting home for all of us and me in particular with my boys ready to get into the travel circuit again with, with hockey and baseball and what should we be concerned about? Well, thanks for having me, guys. It, uh, it obviously is... Um nice to see that we're starting to at least engage some discussions about how do we get back to some of the normal activities that we all enjoy. Uh, and sports is a big part of that for many of us, whether it's just watching sports or participating in sports or youth sports associated with our, our children. So um, I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that we're at least thinking about how to do this safely and how to do this appropriately. You know, we've been overwhelmed, I think, with the discussion about uh, how this virus has affected us and how we return to sports safely from a, a, a keeping kids and adults healthy and avoiding uh, getting sick from COVID. But one of the things that we probably need to spend a little more time on is how do we get people ramped back up to a level where they're able to participate, for example, in a travel baseball team where they may go down for a weekend and play in uh, three or four games over a three-day period. I think that this is a really unusual time in that even though um, organized sports was down, pretty much any access to training facilities or other training opportunities was down as well. So this is very unlike uh, an off-season, so to speak, where you know kids or, or um, uh, young adults may still be going to the gym. They're still working out in training facilities. They're still conditioning for uh, the return of the sports season or the start of the sports season. In many cases, uh, here, especially as we get to the youth level, there just weren't those opportunities. You know, you did what you could in your basement. If it was a nice day outside, you went to the park or uh, outside for a run. So I think that we are going to have uh, some risk here of increased injuries as we get back. Uh, and I think we've seen that already as uh, some of the soccer leagues in Europe are starting off and they've had a, a rash of injuries, so to speak, at the beginning. So I think it's something that we're going to have to be mindful of uh, going forward. Nick, what do you think we're going to see. In other words, the nature of startup in sports, sometimes it's a little predictable. And we've seen it in basketball, for example, after lockout periods or renegotiations, we saw it in the NFL. Um, and not even necessarily pertaining to professional sports, but just specifically in baseball. What do you think our guys or our, our athletes are going to be most prone to, to developing, starting up from basically nothing? 
uh, as a ramp up? No runway to get there. It's a great question, Brian. And as you know, there's certainly been a lot of work that's been done over the last five to seven years with regard to many of the injuries we've seen. And, and much of it has to do with workload management, which is trying to control the amount of load that we put across tissues, uh, organizing that so that that load is increased sequentially. And we try to really avoid spikes in load. So for going going from a very low load setting to a very high load setting over a short period of time. And I think that's really where the risk comes in as we start to ramp these sports up. Obviously, here in Chicago and other parts of the country, we're a little bit under the gun in that we have only a short duration of time before the seasons start to change again and uh, the outdoor sports are no longer available. So I think there is going to be a push to try to accelerate, um, let's call it a training camp type situation and get directly into gameplay. So typically what we see in those situations, the things that I worry about are kind of the muscle strain type injuries. So for uh, baseball, this would be the hamstring strains for our position players. But some of the weird strains that we see with our throwing athletes, with our pitchers, which would be things like uh, oblique strains or lat strains, things where they're just really not in the condition to throw or throw with high velocity for long periods of time. And then, of course, you know, uh, the other thing we worry about significantly is the shoulders and the elbows in these uh, throwing athletes and, and how do we bring them back so that we're not overloading the joint in a short period of time and creating a big problem. So I think we'll see a little bit of a dichotomy. We'll see some more of these uh, sprain strain type issues, which are not long-term sequelae problems, but do take uh, athletes out from sports for anywhere from two to 12 weeks. But I am a little bit concerned that we may see bigger problems with uh, uh, elbow injuries or shoulder injuries that can be really difficult to manage or, or create long-term deficits um, for the throwing athlete. Again, we're visiting with Dr. Nick Verma, head team physician with the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon for Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. I'm Steve Cashel, along with Dr. Brian Cole. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly, coming your way each and every Saturday morning between 8 a.m. and 8.30 Central Time here on The Score. Uh, Dr. Verma... Uh, and Dr. Cole, I want to ask you both, um, again, parents uh, might be wondering, and we've discussed it, I know, in past shows, but um, when do I go see an orthopedic surgeon? You know, let's say my son, uh, boy, he just pitched his first game and there's severe um, shoulder soreness, um, you know, and maybe elbow soreness. Um, should we go see an orthopedic surgeon um, when do we go to the emergency room? What do you two suggest as team doctors and as orthopedic surgeons at Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, advice to the parents on uh, really the, um, the fine line between going to see a doctor and uh, nursing at home? Yeah, I think I can answer that at least from a baseball perspective. And then, uh, you know, Brian can give his thoughts and certainly let us know what his thoughts are from other sports. You know, we did a study about uh, five or seven years ago where we um, – asked athletes, and these were primarily high school level players, about whether they experienced pain with throwing. And it was really interesting to see that uh, almost 50% said that they had some pain associated with throwing or following throwing. So some soreness is part of the game. And I think um, once you participated in in sports long enough, particularly if you're a pitcher, you kind of know when you have that normal soreness after you've gone out and either thrown a bullpen or thrown in a game situation versus when you've got something that's really painful and, um, and not normal for you. So for me, that's one of the big hallmarks that I try to talk to our players about is, is this what you really normally feel when you're throwing or is this something that just doesn't feel right to you? And they have a pretty good innate sense about when it's normal versus when it's abnormal. So I think that's the first key. And then the, the second key is, 
you know, the one thing that I think kids try to get in or end up getting in trouble with is they try to throw through things. And part of that's based on, you know, where we are in, in team sports today for our youth athletes where they don't really want to give up on a position in a team or they're playing on multiple teams and, and one trainer or coach may not know what's happening with the other team. So they try to gut it out for a week or two weeks or sometimes even longer than that. And that's where I really think we see some of the high risk of overuse injuries in our, our teen athletes. And certainly there's a risk here as we go through this summer where it's going to be an abbreviated season. We only have about three months to probably get uh, games in. I think there's going to be a, a, a mindset on the youth athlete to say, well, even if I'm hurting a little bit, I, I just need to get through this season. And so I do think it's it's behooves the parents to, uh, you know, to talk to their children about what they're feeling if they see abnormalities, like they just don't look right on the mound, their velocity's down, they're having trouble with control, they're shaking out the arm between pitches, those are things that you really want to engage your athlete about and say, is, is something going on or are you feeling normal? Yeah, and I think, Nick, those are all great points. I think the other is, number one, Pace, our, our, our families need to know that if they need to be seen, they can be seen, uh, even at a time when... Uh, we have some stay at home and so forth. The ability to uh, get uh, essential care for injuries, you can still come to Midwest Orthopedics and actually see a doctor, get an x-ray, get an MRI and get the care you need. How to differentiate that which should come to the office versus which should not. I think the, if parents have concern or our athletes have concern, uh, you can also we can also disseminate information simply from a tele- telemedicine visit. So that's something that we've talked a lot about is how to get someone in now during this more challenging time, but it can still be business as usual. One thing to help our patients differentiate is look if it's if there's no event on the day of play but it starts the next day with soreness generally speaking that's sort of a delayed onset muscle soreness type picture from overuse in a setting where as you alluded to before where they don't really have the environment uh, at first to do some of the activities they're going to start doing and as soon as they get outside and throwing throwing hard and other activities that they were previously not accustomed to doing it's not going to be uncommon that they're going to get delayed onset soreness and maybe some inflammation. So those types of things, if they're patient, stretching, ice, sometimes even anti-inflammatories over the counter can make a huge difference and prevent an unnecessary visit or certainly provide some assurances to them that, hey, this is something that's going to get better. Again, we're visiting with Dr. Nick Verma, head team physician for the Chicago White Sox. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole at Sports Medicine Weekly. And final question for this segment, uh, gentlemen, for both Dr. Verma and Dr. Cole, the restart of elective surgeries. Uh, Dr. Verma, you first. What new precautions are in place with the reintroduction of elective surgeries? A great question, Stephen. I think this is very akin to the discussion that Brian just had about our ability to see patients in the office and the fact that we can offer um, care that's needed uh, as we move through this uh, new and unprecedented time. I think the first thing to keep in mind is that when we say elective surgery, that often implies that you know somebody's doing it um, just because they decide that it's necessary for them. It often brings up things like cosmetic surgery, things where it's, it really is elective, whereas most of what we're doing in the orthopedics world is elective in that you could live without it, but, but it's necessary for patients to return to an active lifestyle, for patients to return to work activities, and for patients to return to uh, recreational activities. So I think elective has to be further designed or defined in terms of, you know, what are essential things to recover function, to reduce pain, to allow for somebody to return to their work or livelihood. Those are the types of things that we're doing in an orthopedic world, which are important to continue um, and to reinitiate as soon as possible. Um, you know, today I'm, I'm in surgery talking to you guys. Um, uh, we're doing stuff on Saturdays uh, just to try to 
uh, get through some of the backlog. And the way that we're doing that uh, safely is by, number one, um, testing. So the Illinois Department of Public Health has mandated that anybody undergoing an elective procedure needs to have a test within 72 hours. Once they have that test, they're asked to quarantine as best as possible until the day of surgery. Uh, number two, we're, we're screening all of our patients for symptoms uh, such as fever or a verbal screen for things like sore throat or other flu-like symptoms that may indicate a, a, a problem or a potential infection. Uh, number three is we're practicing all of the um, uh, hygiene and cleaning uh, protocols that are in place and recommended by uh, the CDC, IDPH, and other governing bodies. Um, and finally, we're just basically treating everybody with universal precautions. So we're spending a little bit of extra time with cleaning rooms in between. We um, are using uh, masks that are protective for our staff and for patients, for anybody that's in the facility. We're trying to limit the number of visitors that come in. So if on the day of surgery you come in, your family member would be asked to wait uh, in a separate area. They wouldn't be allowed back into the surgical facility. And then we would do uh, the post-op instructions in a special isolated area where you're not in contact with other patients. So with all of these precautions that are ongoing since we've started, um, restarted elective surgery, I should say, I think there's been a high level of patient satisfaction. I think as we look at the patients that we've treated, uh, we have not have yet to have a documented case where somebody um, uh, either contracted the virus or was thought to have maybe been exposed to the virus. And so I think we are uh, feeling more and more comfortable that we're able to take care of patients that need our care in a, a, a safe way, even uh, despite what's going on in the broader community. I think the other thing to add, Steve, that people, Nick, alluded to about this concept of elective or non-elective is that, you know, this concept of chronic pain, uh, just general dysfunction, problems with activity of daily living and so forth, it was really unimaginable that that's what was intended, but we were in a different time and a different place. And I would say that at this point, um, I, and I've said this before, that uh, we feel more comfortable in the hospital setting. And these are mostly ambulatory care centers, a lot of what we do in sports for sure. It, and even joint replacement and spine now at Midwest Orthopedics is outpatient and um, has nothing to do with the hospital setting. And I can tell you that there's been uh, absolutely no overlap with what's happening in the hospital system. But secondarily, if you look at the hospital system right now anyway, uh, things are actually very much in control. The number of patients admitted is decreasing. There's no uh, request or demand for any of our supplies. And there's, there's enough uh, what we call pr uh, protective wear. And also, as uh, Dr. Verma pointed out, the ability to test people, all of this, in my mind, creates what I would say is an inexorably safe environment to do what we do best. And patients should have little to no concerns about being in that setting. Gentlemen, great stuff. Again, Dr. Nick Verma, our guest, head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon for Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Dr. Verma, thanks so much for joining us this morning on Sports Medicine Weekly. Thanks for having me, guys. Enjoy your weekend and stay safe. And Dr. Cole and I will be back with our Ask the Doctor segment. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly only on 670 The Score. And we're back on this Saturday morning Sports Medicine Weekly. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. Time now for our Ask the Doctor segment, giving our listeners the opportunity to have Dr. Cole address their specific sports injury issues. Very easy to submit a question. Just go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. On the homepage, you're going to find a link underneath the photo of Dr. Cole and yours truly on the right side of that homepage. Just click that link and you can submit your question. Got a couple of good ones today for you, Dr. Cole. First one, 
Dr. Cole, with the stay-at-home orders gradually being lifted in some states, some people are heading back to the gym. Now, whether people return now or in the coming months, what tips do you have for staying healthy and preventing injury when returning to a gym routine? Well, I think, Steve, the things that are going to come to mind that people will really be concerned about is how do I sort of stay safe yet get to a gym environment because I'm tired of working out at home or I'm not getting the same kind of workout and I need the gym atmosphere. And I think, you know, what we're likely to see and it might be region dependent, but we're likely to see is that people will be asked to wear masks. I think there's uh, very good evidence now uh, supporting the use of masks, not just for you to protect uh, me from you, but you to be protected from me, if you will. So it kind of goes both ways. But my, my guess is the gyms are going to be set up with uh, social distancing in mind in terms of how they spread people out in, in their workouts. Um, masks especially become important when you can't do that. Uh, frequent hand washing and, you know, and wiping down of contact uh, surfaces and so forth, I think are all going to uh, make a big difference. And then obviously how we check in, check out, and do transactions. Um, I personally believe that uh, we can do these things safely, um, and uh, I'm hopeful that we can return to some sense of normalcy, but always being mindful of the things that actually have always worked when it comes to managing things like the flu and, 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 and things that are contagious. But the other thing we're going to see, Steve, is that you know we're, people have probably been working out differently, and um, I, this is where warm-up and cool-down is going to be even more important. Uh, I like to follow the 10% rule. In other words, if uh, if you're just starting out a new workout, which you know for some of us is going to be like working out in, in a new new uh, a new level of intensity, uh, try not to uh, increase loads by more than say 10 to 15% per week, and uh, you'll kind of get a sense because most of us are going to get a lot of uh, uh, soreness, the so-called so delayed muscle onset soreness when we start regimens where we're much more uh, have higher levels of intensity. We've been doing it for a longer period of time. Um, so be mindful of that, and I think what we want to do is avoid thinking that we can go back to the, the really heavy weight with lower reps out of the gates and uh, not giving yourself time to warm up. And, and certainly, like any time we're in a, re a regular reg a workout regimen, is to respect your body and consider the, the importance of recovery. That's also going to be very important. So stretching, mixing it up, avoiding motor memory, and uh, giving yourself some variety can all make a big difference uh, as you enter back into the gyms. And final question, Dr. Cole, uh, in anticipation of opening NBA training facilities, how much of an advantage has this layoff been for those NBA players who have been injured and are on their way back? Well, you know, it's a, it's a, Steve, that's a great question um, <clears throat> from one of our listeners. I think that uh, obviously it depends upon what's going to happen uh, this season, and uh, right now there's been no a formal statement of what is going to happen. Uh, but I, what I would say is that we uh, every team had some injuries that the individuals were recovering from, and uh, those uh, those players have had more time to get well. And should the opportunity arise this season to, uh, to play, uh, then I think you may see players back that otherwise would not have come back. That being said, the rehab has been tough, you know, to get people into a good environment. Uh, much like that last question, we haven't had literal access to gyms and so forth. So um, I think that more time is time is of the essence. You get a little more time on the backside like this to get back, then you actually can capture the ability to play. But that's weighed against um, getting the quality rehab that we would often see when you have ample access to strength and conditioning. So it's going to be a little bit of a balance. But we might see if we were to get back 
in any fashion some players that might not have been seen, quite frankly, because the season was attenuated. So, again, remains to be seen where we're going to go with it. But should the option to play come, I think certainly that's a possibility. Okay, Dr. Cole, we're out of time. Great stuff. Um, I wish you uh, continued success with Midwest Orthopedics at Rush as you begin to uh, open more and continue with elective surgeries. Also, my best to you and your family. Stay healthy, stay safe, and I look forward to uh, a new show again next Saturday. Thank you, Steve. Have a great rest of your weekend. And that's going to do it for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Reminder, net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Many thanks to our producer, Shane Reardon, our coordinating producer, Tracy Torrell. I also want to thank David Cole for managing our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. He also does our business operations. And then there's Samantha Smith. Our many thanks to Samantha from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long, and thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly. And we'll be back next week with a brand new edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, only on 670 The Score.